Welcome to KidTech, the series about the leaders and influencers in the kids' digital media ecosystem. Today, I am with Will Spence, who's Global Managing Partner at Initiative, um, who is globally responsible for Lego's business. Um, and we were just talking about sort of the number of air miles, uh, Will, that you put in around the world. Is it, um, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Is it fair to call you an agency veteran? Uh, well, probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think in uh, in the grand scheme of uh, of agency things, I've been I've been in a media agency role now for coming on twenty years. When I was uh, thinking back, I've been in a whole whole ro- raft of different uh, different roles and um, and businesses mm. within that. So. Sometimes it's uh, you're within a media agency construct, but I've done local roles, regional roles, global roles, um, different uh, components within the agency product, both uh, kind of internal and external. So, and 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 today you're you're sort of globally responsible for Lego. Yeah. How did that happen? I mean, I'm sure your children are delighted, um, but how how did you get here? My uh, my children think I, I work for Lego and make bricks, but uh, my um, uh, how did I get here? Well, I was I've been working with uh, with Initiative and Media Brands for uh, for quite some time now. First in uh, in Australia, then back in uh, back in London, and um, we've we've had a long standing relationship with uh, Lego, based out of uh, Australia for the last uh, 10, 12 years. Mm. Um, then Lego reviewed their global media, media agency um, roster, and uh, Initiative were invited to participate within that. So. Um, we were we were obviously successful within that review, and I've uh, been leading the team and the the effort that we we made throughout that process. And I mean, kids companies are very different clients to adult focused companies. I mean, is is that sort of was that very different for the team? Is that very different for you? How how would you sort of compare and contrast? Yeah, look, kids um, kids audiences kids are a different breed entirely when we're thinking about them from a. Um, uh, from from a media planning point of view, the first thing we kind of um, you know very quickly observed is that there's genuinely not a lot of data available on kids' audiences and kids' consumption. So, the truest sense of you know media planning having um, information to inform your decision making just it wasn't available. Mm. So, um, how do we optimize a media plan? How do you present a plan which goes here's an optimal scenario in order to achieve against these objectives? So we we actually worked to to you know in the, in the absence of any solution we worked to develop something which would fill that that gap for Lego. So we've kind of evolved our our, our agency product. It's not about um, moving away from our core agency agency product, but about appending and um, evolving that specifically. Hmm. So some examples of thing of that would be things like. Um, We've created a kids media planning tool. So taking the agency um, channel planning tool. So it's kind of an end-to-end um, proposition where you can um, uh, assess the objectives, prioritize um, the task, um, identify channels that fulfill against that task, and then optimize scenarios. Hmm. We've got that for all all, uh, all markets across audiences 15 plus. That's fairly standard um, within the media agency world. What we've done is we've gone back out into market and did a really big research project to talk to parents of kids about their kids' media consumption. So what we then get is a planning tool that all markets can use operationally, day in, day out, to plan media 
to assess the objectives, the task profile, the channels um, against specifically kids' audiences. So you really had to put your own infrastructure in place. Huge effort to went into that. And, and, and because you set up Initiative Junior, which was sort of a separate entity, I mean, that, is that sort of reflective of, of that wider point? Yeah, exactly. We... We, we did that as, you know, the clues in the name, it's it's still initiative, but it's focused very, very clearly on kids' audiences. So mm. it's that enhancement, it's that um, incremental product that we um, that, that we pitched to Lego and they and obviously responded very well to it. And, and I mean, had, had the agency ever done anything like that um, in, the, yeah. in the past? Look, we do. We, and again, this is, um, this is kind of a, a bigger, probably more macro trend within mm. um, global clients. It's a, um, the more that we can make our product as relevant as possible to, um, to advertisers, the, the more success that we find. Mm. So with, um, with, with big clients that have scale that move across multiple markets, um, we find it's worthwhile making that investment into, uh, enhancements of products, fundamental changes to some of our processes, some of our tools, um, which can make a really fundamental difference to the output and the product that we can create for those for those advertisers. Right. I mean, thinking about Lego, you know, they are sort of well known as being a family owned and, and effectively family run company, which mm. probably makes them pretty different to the majority of your other clients. Yeah, you bet. There's a, um, it's, it's really interesting actually working for a, a privately owned family company versus a, you know, more um, publicly listed type company. The first, um, first kind of observation is one of, um, the long term versus short term. So the the family, um, I haven't engaged with them directly, but the um, the family are directly involved with the business. Mm. They're very um, hands on with the with the leadership team of Lego, and they make some of the big fundamental decisions about work that we're even work that we're presenting. So um, there's campaigns in development at the moment that I know have gone in front of the family. Um, mm. The family are. Um, keen to invest in the in the long term, and they are very keen to protect the direction of the business, the brand, um, and all the the elements and where that appears and how that how that works, um, and how it's presented. So um, they're very much in it for the long term. They're looking to the long term. Publicly listed companies, you know, traditionally are more chasing the quarterly results, the reports to Wall Street things like that. So Lego mm. operates in this, um, I feel like it operates in this space where it's less concerned on the short term, although obviously there's commercial imperatives that um, any business has and targets um, that they that they pass on to us. But um, longer term, they uh, the family's looking to invest. The, uh, sorry, I'll just go on. Yeah. There's a secondary piece to that as well, which is um, there's almost a, a different balance in terms of risk reward though which is um, the family are very, very uh, protective of the brand. They're very mm. protective about where it's seen and what we can do with it. So we've put forward campaign ideas or activations that have been, uh, again, gone through that level of um, uh, of, of scrutiny mm. and have been rejected because it's mm. like, mm, hang on, we're that's not quite where we want to be or where we want to be going. I mean, that must be a very new experience for the team that's working on this, presumably. It's, it's to be honest, it's really exciting. It's... Right. Um, I think our role as an agency working with an advertiser is to challenge them and to push them. Right. And that's a, that, that should be a fundamental part of it. So I don't get disheartened by, um, here's an idea, here's a suggestion, and it comes back as a no. But it, what it does, I think, is 
if we can have the conversation around it, we can mm. explore those boundaries. Um, and then next time we can evolve it. Next time we can uh, we can try again in a in a slightly different way. But equally, all the time, we're there to challenge and to push. Right. And of course, Lego isn't your only kids client globally. Um, you know, you work with several others. We do look through the network. There's um, there's obviously a multitude of different um, kids advertisers that we um, that we look after. Mm. Um, Initiative Junior is set up specifically for Lego. Right. So right. it's um, it's very much uh, it's very much geared to to Lego. And as a global organisation, mm. uh, we look after them in fifty but, markets. And, but I suppose g- given that sort of um, client footprint, I mean. It almost seems like you are you are sort of positioning yourself as one of the sort of um, expert agencies in the kids space. Do, do you feel like that? Is that a deliberate strategy? Do you feel like that? Look, it's not a it's it, it's not a deliberate strategy to be a, a sort of vertical specialist in in terms of kids. Right. Um, the strat- I'd say the you know the approach is more around trying to build out our global client base so that we mm. have more. Um, more advertisers that we have a consistent product across all our markets um, in order to expand our, our kind of global reach and, and strength and depth across uh, as many markets as we can. Right. Let, let's just go back to the research that you mentioned mm. um, early on, because obviously for children, I mean, the, the media landscape is, you know, started changing a few years ago, is changing pretty dramatically now. Um, how does that get reflected in your media planning? Like when you think about sort of channels to markets and routes to engagement, yeah. um, can you talk about that? Um, look, there's a there is a profound change that's going on in the in, in the media consumption of kids at the moment. Um, I think we all see that coming mm. through the uh, the changes that we're seeing. In terms of there's there's different aspects that we kind of manage in a in a very traditional sense. We're a media agency. We buy spots and dots. Mm. Um, I think looking at it uh, recently, kids' impressions on linear broadcast globally declined by 12% year on year. Hmm. So that is a seismic huh. shift in um, decline in viewership. So that's a, that's a global number, all markets. That's a global number, wow. all markets. Huh. Um, it, you know, variances across hmm. different regions, but um, the point is the same. This is a market which is compressed to the back end of the year because that's where natural hmm. demand lies. You've got huge decline in impressions on a traditional linear broadcast, um, which leads to rampant inflation. So it's kind of this, mm. you know, double header, triple whammy of, uh, of challenges. The, where, where are those impressions going? Um, they're moving into, um, into video digital channels. Mm. Um, you know, the astronomic growth that we see of platforms like YouTube and YouTube kids is driven by mm. kids consumption. Um, you know, I've got kids myself. I know where, where where they want to spend their time and what they want to be doing. Right. So mapping that and pulling those changes back to media planning right. is hugely challenging for us. And of course, I suppose that's compounded by the fact that sort of, you know, fads come and go in, 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 yeah. in the kids space in terms of what content they're spending time on. I mean, yes, you get Fortnite, which hangs around for a long time, but you also get a lot of stuff that sort of bubbles up very locally. Um, and that and that can kind of go away pretty quickly. How do you think about sort of evolving your your data set over that period of time? So it's, it's a really good question. We we do a couple of things actually. One is that we work with some uh, with a global um, child uh, developmental psychology team. Hmm. So we're pulling in specialisms that we directly don't have right. because they have an ongoing. Um, qual based um, kids research capability 
to identify different platforms, different trends, different behaviors, different play patterns, things like that. So we're thinking about it broader than just media channels, mm. but we're using different sources to kind of get insight from. Second area that we kind of, um, we, we, we delve into is more in um, uh, digital data. Mm. So again, um, search trend volumes, social um, listening, uh, things like that, we can spot different trends, different platforms bubbling up in different areas um, or at different times. Ten, the, the, the general rule that we see, though, is different things come along. They come along very quickly. Mm. Um, equally, some things are kind of here to stay. Right, so right. the YouTubes continue to be gigantic. Mm. And, and let's maybe just flip it back to TV a little bit because, mm. I mean, I guess with from, from your global purview, you must see TV doing different things in, in different parts of the market or different parts of the world. I mean, can you talk a little bit about maybe sort of West versus East or some of the, sort of the more obvious trends around kids' TV? Yeah, there's, I guess we, we, we kind of think about it as video rather than TV hmm. because I think having a more holistic view right. gives you a... So that would include OTT you would put, and VOD? And you absolutely. Put, right. All options. What options do I have as a consumer to watch content in my in my market? Because that's the landscape that we're planning against. Mm -hmm. So we go in, in in the US, for instance. There's a hugely developed market. There's a multitude of different options, and as an advertiser, you can choose different options to fulfill different needs. So mm. there are different providers that can give you cheap reach. There are different providers that can give you premium content and you mix and match according mm. to your needs. Mm -hmm. If you go to another market like um, the Nordics, for instance, you go, there's a very limited inventory availability for kids TV. There's just not a huge volume available in the market. Mm. So naturally, there's a much greater share that happens in online video within that um, within that market. So we've got seismically different um, setups just across the, right. the Western world. As soon as we go to um, to, to um, AsiaPrac, then we find, again, the landscape's incredibly different. We find... Um, we, we find that there's a there's a greater variety of different platforms across, obviously, the different markets. Mm -hmm. And there's greater... Um, usage of different devices mm. um, within those within those markets again. So um, China tends to be driven more by the platforms which are mobile-based. Um, there's greater restriction um, sort of uh, counterintuitively to, um, to kids' media consumption within China as well because we see that parents are um, more directive around them spending time um, doing homework, doing mm. um, non- play-based activities so it's less about you know things that are seen as, as time wasting and more on things that are um seen as constructive that's very interesting so you you would see chinese parents as, as generally speaking being stricter mm, than, than, than western parents yeah the general rule would huh. be you know uh, the further west you go so to the u.s mm. there's a greater amount of time in terms of um share of kids time in terms of consumption of media mm. than we see in uh, in China. And and how do you see the media companies, I suppose the incumbent media companies, reacting to this change in the landscape? Because obviously there have been many that have built their business around the kids space. Um, it, like it, it clearly is a mix, I guess, of, of sort of upstarts and startups and incumbents. But what are the incumbents doing? How, how do you think about them? Um, look, I think if, um, if, I was, uh, if I was one of the linear broadcast TV networks, then it looks pretty tough at the moment. Um, 
seriously falling impressions. Mm. Um, investment is falling behind that, not as fast as it, because we still see rampant inflation, but um, it looks tough. They're trying to move um, inventory and dollars to, to sort of follow that through to digital platforms, but um, the value that they can achieve on those platforms isn't as great as uh, what they can see or what used to see on the linear broadcast. Mm. So looking pretty um, pretty tough. It, it seems, and I don't know how much exposure you have to this, but it seems like there's more investment that's going into subscription-based kids' content and kids' content platforms at Disney Plus and things like that than anything that's more sort of designed to take, you know, appropriate advertising for kids. Does that sort of square with what you're saying? Um, look, yes, I think, yes and no. It's... Mm. Um, there is a huge growth in the in the sort of um, subscription based and sort of SVOD type um, type spaces. Disney are obviously making a huge play into that um, into that into that place. Will be interesting to see how that plays out as they pull content from other platforms to go to mm. um, to, to Disney Plus. Mm. Um, um, well, as as you pause, yeah. <laughs> let let me pivot you into something related. Yeah. Um, because we sort of talked about um, the evolution of the media landscape here and, and, and your perspective um, from the agency side. As you think about sort of the emerging digital privacy laws for children, which, which really are, are sort of impacting the entire media space and really are designed for media consumption, how do you think about that as an agency? Because again, it's probably reasonably unique, I would say, in, in this audience group for you in terms of your, your, your client set. Yeah, it is. Look, it's a it's a huge challenge, and there's a there's a couple of different levels to the challenge. Almost, um, obviously, any platform that we engage with, we have to understand that it is actually compliant. Mm. And a lot of people will claim to be compliant to different things, but actually not be. Mm. So that's uh, that's kind of a, a big uh, a big learning across across mm. different markets. The other one is that um, I would I would kind of bracket. Um, well, I would go, there's a balance between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law as mm. well. And so there, um, obviously, you know, COPA and uh, GDPRK are legislation that applies. Um, Lego take those and, and apply those as a global standard. Mm. So we're operating in a in a way which is above regulation that exists within, uh, within existing uh, local markets. Mm. Um, then there's a kind of a third part, which is more human, like the... Um, the application of that, which would be um, different people will interpret um, regulation or what they believe to be regulation slightly differently. Mm. So some platforms will say, yes, we're compliant. Some um, some people that we, you know, people we deal with in markets will go, yep, this is fine. We're happy with this, but we may not be happy with the level or the spirit that that's actually being operated at. Mm. And, and I suppose from, from your perspective, in terms of kind of being, being the, the, the global lead on this, you're sort of having to deal with scale and, and, and get to sort of efficiencies from there, but then also have to deal with, with those very um, specific local approaches to things. I mean, that always seems like an inherent contradiction to me. Maybe that's why you're on a plane a lot of the time. How, how do you manage that? Yeah, that's a, it's, it's a great question. We We've done a few things. We've kind of we've put some processes in place. So, um, things like um, there's a checklist: is it legally compliant? Is it ethically um, where we want to be? Is it brand safe? Is it relevant? And it's only in that sort of 
fourth or maybe even fifth checkpoint that we're thinking about it as a media planning opportunity mm. because before you even pass go compliance brand right. safety ethical um surety have to be the ways that we that we operate so we've actually got a bit of a an ongoing um help desk type setup where different scenarios on different platforms pop up all the time so that comes mm. back into into hq to the center where we'll go from the market hey question if we did this on this platform is that okay and so we've we've got a uh, we kind of got a good rhythm of that. Hmm. But so so you so you've got sort of essentially a a, a kids compliance pop desk for all of this. Effectively, that's yes. amazing. Yeah, and what we do is we actually lean into into some of the team at Lego to um, to do that. So some of the things we've seen that before. Yep, we've we've dealt with this platform. We understand these these kind of nuances. Sometimes a new scenario, a new platform comes up, and so we go, Hey, what do we think about this? Hmm. How do we um, how how are we going to handle that? So given the number of markets, the number of platforms, this is a day in, day out right. struggle. And I suppose given the the, um, the general challenges that agencies are facing, media agencies are facing around the world, I mean, it seems like the relationship you've got here from how you've described is, is, is sort of very well matched. Because obviously we see sort of clients that are trying to take more of this functionality in-house, people spinning it out and, and, and sort of thinking about it in different ways. But this does seem like sort of a, a very, very good partnership. I mean... Do you think this sort of structure represents the future of part of the agency world, you know, where you're creating something much more custom? I do. I, I genuinely believe that there's a um, there's an interesting route and a, and, a, and a way that the agencies can really develop their product to be more to be more custom, to be more mm. um, specialized for the needs of, of specific clients. I think you'll find I think it goes on lots in local spots or in different right. places. But it's um, it's something that we're finding um, is having is, is having more and more resonance with with global clients. Huh. We um, Lego was really the first time that we fundamentally changed some of our products and our tools and services in the in the ways that we just talked about. But um, since then, we've been uh, we've obviously been, we've been appointed by um, the Carlsberg Group, by Revlon, by Canada Goose, by um, uh, we. We've got a, a you know a new raft of um, of clients that are coming through, and in some ways, in different ways, we have really thought hard about what we're doing and how we're working with with those advertisers, what they really need, and how we can um, adapt or change or evolve to make it more suited and, and a, a better product. And does that also reflect? Um different thinking from the CMOs or is it different generations of CMOs that are coming through? Are you seeing trends there? Um, look, it's interesting. I think we, as, as, a, as a general rule, my feeling, this is a sample of one, my feeling is we're seeing less of CMOs and we I don't know, as, a, as an agency, we try to challenge clients and we try to push them. We try to lean in and put our arms around different businesses mm. because we try to build deeper, stickier relation, relationships. So what we do is we see more people from different aspects of the business that we may not have done five years ago. It may be we used to have a relationship with either a global media lead or um, different media managers. Nowadays, we tend to have relationships with the um, 
with the technology lead within the company, within the IT lead, with the legal or procurement leads. So there's a broader stake, set of stakeholder relationships that we're trying to build and trying to manage mm. as we um, try to expand that um, that relationship, which gives us both a better point of view about broader aspects and broader thinking and um, events that are happening within the business. Um, but also it, it's about that uh, deeper, stickier. And, and do you think that sort of long term that takes you down the route more towards kind of almost like a consulting type model, g given that you're sort of increasing the profile across the client? There's a, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny you mentioned that. There's, um, there, there is, there is that, there is more of that consulting. I'd argue that the work that we're doing for our clients is a seismic shift away from what the remit of a media agency mm. used to be or in some cases right. kind of still is um the, the, the you know I, i'm not diminishing the, the 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 core craft of media planning and buying this is still a fundamental table stakes has to be brilliant mm. has to be flawless has to be the best but the um the expectation and the involvement that we're having with broader parts of the business higher part higher levels of the business means that our input is having more impact in in more more spaces mm. um i think there's a there's also a, a flip to that as well which is it's not just about the agency it has to be about the advertiser you're working with as well right and culturally different companies are drastically different some companies really lean in and want to partner other people um appoint you to undertake specific tasks one two and three right. so where companies tend to lean into you um agencies will respond very well to that to um to, to really lean in to build that relationship so you're not planning on acquiring any accountancy firms anytime soon just to build out the uh, the not, offering you'd uh, you'd, have, you'd have to talk to my uh, to, to my <laughs> boss about that stuff. but uh, no i don't see that so i mean we, we've kind of talked about the the evolving landscape from an agency perspective i mean as you think out into in, into the future over the next two three four five years um, as it was beyond what we've discussed, are there any things that you see coming down the road that you think will shape the agency business, the agency world, um, or anything you're either afraid of or excited by? Oh, look, I think this is, um, I sometimes feel like you know, we're in this position, which is so, so, so lucky. You go, we're in this seismic, profound period of change, which will possibly look back in in you know years to come and go these were the times these were the years when technology and the internet fundamentally changed human behavior mm. um human consumption and we're at the, at the you know somewhere involved within that at the heart of that trying to unpick how uh people are behaving what drives them to do that and how we try and connect with them so um couldn't be a more exciting time. Can I describe you as an architect of future behavior on that basis? Yes, you can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Will Spence, um, future architect uh, and global managing partner at Initiative, most importantly, thank you very much for joining us on Kid Tech today. Thank you, Dylan.